10 through 7. And the word of the Lord reads. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Boastful. Arrogant. Revilers. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unloving. Irreconcilable. Malicious. Gossips. Without self-control. Brutal. Haters of good. Treacherous. Reckless. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulsions, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us, Holy Spirit, including myself. Minister to our hearts and to our minds, and we're not here for a bunch of information, Lord God. We are here for a transformation. Us bringing you glory is us being conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, and bearing fruit, that's fruit that remains, my King. Help me, Lord God. Give me a special anointing to just love on your people this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may have a seat. Maybe you open that water for me. Good morning. It is an honor to be behind this, this pulpit, the sacred desk. I, I never get to preach on a Sunday morning, so it was kind of nerve-wracking when they told me yesterday. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to preach to your people? He said, love on them. I said, no, Lord, what do you want me to preach to your people? He says, Love on them. <laughs> Many of you know, especially on the men's side, I don't read this Bible to preach. I don't read this Bible to teach. I don't read this Bible to do. I read this Bible to become. There is something in this Bible that God wants me to become like, and it is his son. The word that will begin to mold me and shape me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ so that I may walk worthy of my calling being called by God, that I may bear fruit, and no matter what season, I will be able to bear fruit and fruit that remains. I love y'all. I love y'all dearly, and, and I have to constantly tell people that are close to me truth over feelings, truth over situation, Truth over circumstance. I never seen anywhere in the Bible where it says feelings will set you free. I never seen in the Bible where it says a situation will set you free. I've never seen in the Bible where it says a circumstance will set you free. But what I did read in the word of God, that it is a truth that will set you free. And Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth. And no one comes to the Father, no one comes to the source except through me. And, and as we read over this scripture right here in 2 Timothy, because I want you to be set free. So what I am going to preach, it is truth to you this, evening, this morning. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, but realize, in the word Lord reads, it says, but realize this, this is Paul talking to young Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. We will have hardship. We will have persecution. There will be famine. He says there will be difficulty in the last days. How many of you believe that in this time, these are the last days? So this first sentence that I just read is truth to you, right? Amen. It says, for men will be lovers of self. Fees, self. Lovers of money. Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying the power to change them from the inside out. It sounds like the world here, and I know many times I've got up here and I've said this is the problem with the world, that the world is a lover of self, that the world is malicious gossips, and the, and the world only love pleasure and don't love God. But when Paul is talking to young Timothy, he's not talking about the world here. What he is talking about is the church. For many have received a gospel that is a self-seeking, self-centered gospel, a gospel that um, you accept Jesus Christ and he gives you this perfect life. He gives you everything that you want when the word is clear that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. They've received this gospel that is self-centered and and self-seeking, and the gospel is not about what you can get, but it is about what you can become. The gospel is not about what you can do, it is about what you can become. Becoming like Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that his spirit was released. A spirit that comes and lives inside of you that hollers, Abba, Father, which means that um, first has to come relationship before I can ever be conformed. How can I become like somebody that I don't know? Amen. We have this saying, they said this saying in the home, and it's, they used to say, um, I'll show you what you're going to become if you show me who you hang around. How many of y'all are truly seeking and hanging around God? Amen. For men, we'll be lovers of self. We can park right there for just a moment. Lovers of self. How many of us? Um, have come in here just this morning thinking about self, maybe where I'm going to sit or maybe what I'm going to wear. Who am I going to sit by? I hope they play the song that I want them to, to play. Let's be real. It's even normal now that we are stuck on selfie mode. Everybody has a Facebook that is completely about self. And it has become so natural and so normal to us that um, us living for us has been made okay. 
Now, that is the way the world lives. And Paul is saying that the church in the last days are going to look exactly like the world, that the world has crept into the church. And the world is beginning to conform the church instead of the church conforming the world. And I'm saying this because I love you. I told you that the truth, I promise it will set you free. Lovers of, lovers of self. I mean, I fall under this category. I fell under this category once upon a time in my life where I thought about self, even doing ministry for myself. I'm going to be real. See, I wanted to show all the naysayers that I could. Yeah. See, and it was all about me. See, it was pride and it was arrogance. It says in the last day, those, they will be pride, prideful and they will be arrogant and they will be boastful. And that's what I had become. I had been very prideful and very boastful and I was stuck. How many of y'all in here are stuck because you are stuck on self? You can't see past your own situation or your own circumstance or what you can get. You can't even see past the tip of your nose. You say you want to do full-time ministry. You want the ministry, but you don't want the mess. You want the ministry, but you don't want the mess. You want the perks, but you don't want to sacrifice because it's all about you. I'm just saying. See, what the Bible says, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, he will exalt you. And if you seek first the kingdom of God, not your own self-interest, but first the kingdom of God, it says all these things. And we're talking about needs here. We're not talking about wants. All these things shall be added unto thee or unto you. You want your family back? Seek the kingdom of God. You want your wife back? Seek the kingdom of God. You want your kids back? Seek the kingdom of God. You want a good job? Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things that you need. You need your bills paid. Seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And the Bible says that all these things shall be added unto thee. I can't make this up, man. This is just the Bible. I am not that smart. I promise you. So I give you the truth because I understand and I know that it's the truth that will set you free. I really, I really, I really love you. Boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents. Man, I got, whoo, my kids. <laughs> get this, get this. It's not even surprising anymore when kids are being disobedient. It's more surprising when you see an obedient child. I can't even make that one up. <laughs> Go back to Children's Church and ask them. <laughs> My wife will come to me and, man, she's like, I have to anoint her, pray over her, maybe even take a shot of anointing oil after being back there in the children's church. I'm for real. Y'all think I'm playing, but I am dead serious. <laughs> Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Do you wake up in the morning and just be thankful that you got full function of your fingers and your legs? I mean, do you? Do you? Do you? Do you have appreciation that you were once upon a time in the kingdom of darkness and you've been transferred over into the kingdom of light, over into the kingdom of God, over into the kingdom of heaven? I mean, really, truly grateful. I mean, see, 
I'm not, I, I'm grateful for the, for the temporal things, but sometimes the temporal things isn't enough. So I have to go a little deeper. You see what I'm saying? I have to be grateful for the eternal things. I have to be grateful that God was thinking about my soul and not thinking about my comfort. Woo, man. Can you just be grateful for today? Can you be grateful that you just woke up and <gasps> I'm alive? Can we be grateful for that? I mean, can we look past the bill not giving? Can you look past somebody talking about you? Can you look past not getting what you want? Can you look past by not getting the date that you want or the woman that you want or the man that you want? Because Pastor Raymond said, no, not yet. Can you look past that and be thankful that you're not headed to hell? Now, this is in church now. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church here. This is what happened. This is what's happening in the church. And I'm telling you the truth because I, under, I understand that the truth is going to set you free. Not me patting you on the back. Not me wanting you to jump all up and down for the sermon that I'm preaching. No, I want the truth. I want you to be set free. I want you to be set free from yourself. When I was finally set free from myself about a month and a half ago, <laughs> I'm be real. Can I be real? I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm something I'm not. I was set free about a month ago. I was literally set free from myself. I mean, like, fully set free from myself. See, I see in the church and in the ministry that the biggest problem is denying self. You want to follow after Jesus, but you don't want to deny yourself, pick up your cross. You really don't want to do that. You see what I'm saying? You really don't even want to follow Jesus. You just, you want to come to Jesus to get what you want. Because, see, following Jesus costs you something. What does it cost? It costs you life. Salvation free is a free gift. But following Jesus costs you your life. It literally costs you your life. And it says if you choose to love your life and to hang on to your life, you will indeed lose it. Man, I can't make this up. This is, that's the Bible. I'm not going to give you anything. That's not, it's the Bible. See, I read the Bible to become like this. I don't want to be the same. Tomorrow when I wake up, I don't want to be the same as I was today. I want to be more transformed. See, I'm on the potter's wheel, and I ain't jumping off. See, there's one thing about the potter's wheel. The only way you get off the potter's wheel is if you jump off the potter's wheel. See, you can't just fall off the potter's wheel. <laughs> That's not what happens. You have to jump off the potter's wheel. And I refuse to jump off the potter's wheel. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how much it costs. Because I'm going to tell you like this, it's cost me everything, and I'm okay with it. Get this, there's this video that me and Ella used to watch. It says, I came into this with nothing, and if I leave with nothing, I still come out ahead. I came in here with, with nothing. I came in here broke. I'm talking about broke. The only thing I had was a car, and the car wasn't even in my name. And if it was in my name, I was going to sell it. So I came in here with nothing. So if I leave out of this world with nothing right now with Christ, I still come out ahead because I've gained Christ. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as a preacher. I don't want to be, I don't want to be known for ministry. I want to be known in Christ. That's why I want you to see me in Christ. And if you want to get to know me, you got to know Christ because that's where I'm going to be at. You hear what I'm saying? Man, thank you, Jesus. I'm the I'm delivered from myself. Thank you, Jesus. I'm delivered from myself. See, it frees me up to love. 
whenever I'm delivered from myself. See, if I'm stuck on self, I can only love self. When the Bible tells me to deny self, he actually tells me to esteem others higher than myself. So how am I going to esteem others higher than myself if I love self? But he says in the last days, that's how the church is going to be. It's going to be about self, serving for self, preaching for self, greeting for self. It all will be about self. They'll be treacherous and they'll be reckless and they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of, of God. Um, they'll be unholy. See, for some reason, holiness is not as important as it should be in the church. The Bible says without holiness, you won't see God. As a matter of fact, Peter says, and all that you do be holy. See, there's a zeal in the church now where people are, they're wanting to serve. They are. They're wanting to go over, hop, hop a plane and go over to other countries and, and get people saved. Hallelujah. But purity is nowhere in the equation. Holiness is nowhere in the equation. They'll lay up at home and they will be shacked up, not married, having premarital sex and saying, I am serving the Lord. And they say, I am good with God. Where's that in the Bible? I missed that one. See, I'm saying that's, reason, that's the reason why we have to read the Bible to become this. And not just to do. I can't do it without becoming. Because if I'm doing that, then I am trying to do it in my own strength and in my own ability. I am doing it in the flesh. And in the flesh, guess what? I cannot Please, God. And I want my life to be a living and holy sacrifice unto God. That is true worship, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, around 1 and 2. That's what it says what true worship is. Presenting yourself a holy and living sacrifice unto God. That is true worship. I love y'all. Holiness is not, it's crazy because like you can look on Facebook actually and you'll see people that'll cuss and be in a club and then they'll turn around and say, thank you Jesus and thank God and all this other stuff and they're living the way they, they live because they believe that I've said this prayer, I said this prayer and I'm good with God, I'm, I'm going to heaven and they've been so deceived. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I want to read something about about deception. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. I believe it is chapter 6. I'm giving it to y'all the way God is giving it to me, all right? And this is Paul, once again, talking to the church. This is the church I'm talking about, not the world. So I need you to get this. Somebody told me the church people can't be deceived or the elect, elect won't be deceived, but I'm here to tell you, if that is the case, if that's how you think, then you've already been deceived. The deception has already started. If you're not careful, you can be deceived. Allow some false doctrine to be preached, and it begins to tickle your ears, and you like the way it sounds, because, because now you're separated from God. You're separated from God, because once you want them ear-tickling messages, the separation's already begun. Yeah. 
I'm going to start at verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He's talking about church people here. He's talking about the brethren. This is the church. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, church people. It says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, whatever that word is, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is the Bible. I can't make this up. This is the truth. I'm not preaching this or saying this to condemn anybody. I am praying that you will repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and he will bring a refreshing. It's something about repenting and believing that God has forgiven you, that this refreshing comes over and it's like, <gasps> thank you, Lord, that you love me so much that you already knew before the foundations of the earth that I was going to make this mistake. You knew that I was going to live like this. And you sent your son to die for me that if I can just believe this, that I will have eternal life. In John 17, 3, it says, this is eternal life, to know the father and the one that he sent. This is to know God and to know his son. That means to have a relationship with God and to have relationship, to have intimacy with a koinonia, a yada, the deepest form of intimacy. That's what he wants to have with each and every one of you. And he sent his son to die because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I'm going to go back to, to first to Second Timothy. And it says, they'll be hold, beholding to a form of godliness. Verse 5, beholding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. These people are religious. They can make it look good. They can make it sound good. These are the people that will give to the church. They'll give, have no problem giving. They know all the right scriptures to, to say. They even go to bed saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come. They before they eat, they pray. The religious people, all the, the Pharisees, they know what to do on the outside, make it look good, but there's no real change in their hearts. See, they come around you, put their arm around you, say they love you, and the whole time saying, "I can't stand you." The religious. This is who he's talking about. They have a form of godliness. They make it look good. But there's no transformation. What these people are doing, they are just doing and they're not becoming. See, there's one thing that I learned about my destiny. Um, God revealed to me the other day. See, I thought my destiny was me doing something. But my destiny is actually becoming something. <laughs> 
My destiny is actually me becoming like Christ. See, I thought it was me getting up here preaching. I thought it was me doing full-time ministry. But lo and behold, it's not all that. It is me becoming like Christ Jesus. The Bible said that it's not my preaching that brings glory to God. It is not what I am doing that's bringing glory to God. It is who I am becoming that is bringing glory to God. See, I don't ever get it twisted. See, I read this thing. I study this. I study this. I study it because I want to bring God glory. I study this. Ask anybody to be around me. I don't have to try to start preaching. Ask the guys. We have a conversation. What happens? I start preaching. I can't help it. Out of me flow streams of living water because I'm drinking. And the water tastes good. And sometimes it may be bitter going down, but guess what? It's always sweet coming up. Hallelujah. And I promise you the truth will set you free. But there's a subject that I also want to touch on because we're church. We're the church, right? We are the body. One body and many members. One body, many members. Repeat it after me. One body, many members. One body, many members. I want you to get this. Go to, I believe it's 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Because we're talking about what the church is in the last day. But see, Paul seen it at the church of Corinth. Chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, uh, out of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. The word Lord reads. It says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. And immorality of such a kind as does not exists even among the Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. You have become, he's talking to the church. See, I want you, as I read this, I want you to see something. Paul is not rebuking the man that was immoral. He was actually rebuking the church. See, Paul understood that the more that I love these people, the more they're going to hate me. Because sometimes the truth, it hurts. But yesterday when God told me, Ken, you're preaching this sermon, I said, Lord, for real? He said, yes. Do you love them? I said, yes, God, I love them. He said, well, I need you to love on them. And you love them with the truth. He says, you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead. So that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged him to you, to those of you that say, um, don't judge me. And you'll see later on in this chapter that the Bible says that we are to judge the church. And when the Lord starts judging, guess where the judgment starts? In the house of God, in the church. So don't come to me when I get to telling you, bringing your mail to your front door, telling me that I'm judging you. No, I'm loving you. 
Don't get it twisted. I am loving you. And you need to learn how to receive love. Which sometimes come in correction, a rebuke. It comes in the truth. Have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. I'm going to stop right there a little bit, and I'm going to go back to verse 2, and then I'm going to read verse 6, because I want to point out something in these scriptures. In verse 2, it says, and where Lord reads, Amen. it says, you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. Here's the deal. We can't save nobody. See, God's ways are his ways, and they're not our ways. His thoughts are not ours. We can't even begin to understand because he's the alpha and he is the omega. He is from the beginning and he sees the end. And so we just have to trust when these scriptures say to let them go. They must go. Put them out of your midst. Don't have nothing to do with them. Don't sit down with them. Now, these are church members now. I'm not talking about guests that come into the church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that say, hey, we're brothers. We're, I'm talking about the brethren. He says, you got to get rid of them because the little leavens, it leavens the whole loaf. A little sin can contaminate the whole church. My secret sin, my secret sin can affect the whole body. And your secret sin can affect the whole body. Somebody else's secret sin or open sin can affect the whole body. And some of you are saying, man, his sin could affect me. Okay, let's just say his sin did affect you. But how would you feel if it was your secret sin that affected the whole body? People are sick in church. They're dying early in church. Because people are selfish and they're lovers of self and they think I can do this sin in private and I can get away with it. It's not hurting anybody. It's not affecting anybody. And the Bible said, no. It affects the whole body. See, there was a man. His name was Achan, I believe it was. This is in the Old Testament. See, God told the Israelites once they crossed over, I want y'all to go and take Jericho. I want you to destroy everything in Jericho. But the silver, the gold, the metals, and those precious jewels, I need you to give them to me. They go in the treasury of the Lord. They destroyed Jericho. I mean, wiped out everybody. 
women, men, children, cattle. They wiped out everything and they took these jewels and this gold and stuff and they took it to the treasury of the Lord. The next place that they were going to conquer was Ai. Ai. It's capital A, lowercase i. And so the Israelites, they didn't have to send a bunch of people because this, these people were supposed to be weak. So they send the 3,000 over there, and they get defeated easily, lost 36 men. They came back. The leaders fell on their face. What's going on? And God said this right here. My, the sons of Israel have disobeyed me. Because of one man's secret sin, God said that the sons of Israel, that the people of Israel have disobeyed me. The decisions that we make, the sin that we play around with, it affects our children. It affects our husbands, our wives. It affects the body. And Christ is the head. The body of Christ is being infected from the inside, not from the outside. An abscess is always on the inside, not on the outside. You may see it on the outside, but it's affecting the inside of your body. And the body of Christ is being infected. You're being sick. You're feeling weak. Some of you can't even run. Oh, I'm tired. But I, but I, <coughs> I'm always sick. And I'm not saying that all sickness and, and all weakness, I'm not saying that it, it just comes from somebody else's sin. It's just life also. But do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. I love you. And it's the truth that's going to set you free. But some of you that are calling yourself members that come in here with that secret sin, it is affecting the whole body. And we're about to go over to this new church. And I'm not telling you the word of Ken, the word of Pastor Raymond. I'm telling you the word of God is his standard, not ours. The only reason why it's ours is because it's his. It's the delegated authority. There's a chain of command to this thing. Don't be deceived. Like I said, once again, I'm telling you this because I love you. I really do. I didn't want to preach this. And it's hard to get up here. And to preach something like this. It really is. But I love you. I really, truly love you. And Jesus told me that if I love you, then if I love him, then I'll love you. If I love him, I'll feed you. If I love him, I'll take care of you. And as an overseer and a shepherd, we love you. The pastorship, the leadership here, we love you. So we get in day in and day out behind this pulpit and we give you the truth because we love you. Truth over feelings. I'm going to give you the truth over your feelings any day. I love you. I love you, but I care more about your soul. I care more about your life. We do. We care more about your soul and your life than we do your feelings. We know your feelings are going to change. I could cuss you out right now. You'd be mad at me. I could come right back. Don't even have to say I'm sorry. Put $100 in your hand and you'll hug me. That's how quick your feelings will change. And even though the truth may be bitter going down, I promise you throughout life you're going to see, man, they love me. It's going to be fruitful. It's going to taste good. Coming up real sweet. Coming up. 
It's time that we start living by the word of God. All of it. Tremble at the word. James called the church adulterers. Adulterers. We don't want to be like that. Well, you say there's a God. There's one God. He says the demons do too. But the difference between the demons and us is the demons tremble and we don't. We need to become a church that tremble at the word of God. To tremble at the word of God. This is the truth. I can't make any of this up. I didn't get up here with a sermon prepared for you. I got up here and I'm giving you exactly what God gave me. Because I love you. He wouldn't let me right now. I tried. But he wouldn't let me. He said, I don't want you to do nothing. I want you to give it to them exactly the way I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I was crying all before. Because he's saying there's some people in this sanctuary right now that might be deceived. And you need to tell them the truth. You can't live any kind of way and expect to go to heaven. You can't live any kind of way and expect to have a relationship with God. You can't be living in sin talking about you're good with God. No, you're not. And you need to repent. Worship team, you come on. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. I don't care how filthy, how disgusting, how nasty. I don't care. He says he is faithful and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I'm going to close with this. With this, with this verse because I love you. And the Lord, and he loves you more than you'll ever know. He'll love you more than you ever know. Go to Romans chapter 8. I love this because, because sometimes we can get so caught up with life and life situations and circumstances, right? And life will begin to speak louder than truth. You see what I'm saying? Truth, truth over life. Truth over life. Truth over life. Truth over circumstance. Truth over situation. Truth over feelings. You have to replace the, the feelings with the truth. Because it's the truth that's going to set you free. And this is the truth right here. I'm going to start at, I'm going to go ahead and start at verse 26 of chapter 8, Romans. And the word Lord reads, it says, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Have you ever been in so much distress, so much anguish that you couldn't even get a word out? All you could do is moan and groan. The Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf, praying the perfect will of God. 
And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things, I say all things, all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed. This is love right here. To be predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he's also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who in the world can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress, everybody stand up, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, just as it is written for your sake we are being put to death all day long and we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us for i am convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor powers nor heights nor death nor any creation of all things will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're struggling, don't be ashamed. Come to the altar. Come to the altar and repent and turn to God. The Bible says he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If you've been living for self, if you've been a lover of self, come to the altar and be delivered from self. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you, I promise you. Amen.